It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to BGN Radio. Thrown out to the far side of the bubble screen and running in for the touchdown is Jeremy Macklin. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly. Mm. And part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have uh, made it to episode number 81 as we draw near to uh, to 90. I mean, we are way past going to the home and all that good stuff, but we are rolling right along in uh, hopes of uh, 100 right in our sight line uh, once again. And the whole preview crew has joined us, Mr. Brandley Gout, Mr. James Zelter, of course, the smooth tones, the NPR tones, Patrick Walt joining us uh, today here. Plus, uh, we have uh, we've got a couple of great guests that are coming on. Uh, we'll talk to John Middlecoff uh, from 95.7 The Game, uh, also former Eagle Scout from 2010-2013. Give us a little insight on what he thinks is going on with the the whole GM structure uh, and, and the Foles trade talk, and we're going to get into that uh, as well. Plus, a uh, very uh, special guest as well, Blake Sims, quarterback from Alabama. Uh, we'll be joining uh, Mike Kay and Dan Klossner here in the middle of the show, and we'll get to know Blake as uh as, as, of course, most of us know, Dan Kloster, humongous fan of, uh, of, of Blake Sims. Anytime he gives 5,000 words to that guy, uh, I would consider that uh, being, being able to work in the Eagles offense. We'll find out if uh, he uh, has any opinions on that. But uh, let's get all to the crazy situation here. Uh, Mr. Brandon Lee Gouton, the GM search still not complete. Uh, and, in fact, uh, somebody uh, has officially turned down that he will not be interviewing. Why don't you uh, keep us updated on that? Yeah, the GM search at this point, you know, we still we still have pretty much no idea who they're going to hire. There's no clear favorite. Uh, Scott Fitterer from the Seahawks uh, apparently turned down the job, according to to Seahawks GM John Snyder. So at this point, it's really looking like it's coming down to either uh, Chris Greer, who has been with the Dolphins for about 20 years now, and the other guy is Ed Manowitz, who Tim McManus actually said on Birds 24-7 that he doesn't really think Manowitz is a strong candidate based on what he's heard. 
I've noticed that a lot of the Manowitz love is coming from CSN Philly. So I feel like whoever their source is kind of has like a real, you know, a liking of him. So I, I don't think he's really in the mix. He even said uh, during the senior bowl, this is Manowitz now said that he, he didn't even interview for the job and he doesn't expect to get one. A couple of reporters said that. So I don't think he's in the mix. I think right now it's looking like Greer is the favorite, but then again, you have this Chris Polian stuff coming up and that's, that's uh yeah i think that's pretty concerning just for the fact that you know he's he just i mean there's no way to sugarcoat it he was bad with the colts you know he was responsible for a team there that totally fell apart when peyton manning got hurt i really don't feel like polian's gonna be the guy i just feel like that does doesn't make sense i feel like it can't happen i think at this point i think greer almost makes the most sense well and uh you know not to uh we we were just about to put this episode out this morning and of course the eagles announced that they have indeed hired ed manowitz or uh, promoted i guess i should say to vice president of player personnel so that is now finally out of the way um and i don't think that um you know i i just don't think that there was uh, that much better of an option between the polians and and all that stuff and to be honest with you, I think a lot of us are relieved that it is uh, Manowitz and, you know, they were just doing their due diligence and then uh, doing all this stuff and promoting from within. But we'll continue the show. I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughts post-Super Bowl, but I'll let uh, James take it away with his GM concerns. I don't think my level of concern has, has risen, per se, but, uh, you know, I mean, you have to be concerned. I, I think ultimately, I said this last show, I think ultimately it doesn't matter that much ultimately obviously you want someone who's qualified and accomplished and someone who can stand up to chip and say no we're not doing that this is the right thing to do uh, but ultimately i think you're going to get someone in there who's who's going to be chip's guy and, and i think that chip is going to have full total control i don't think there's going to be a lot of opposition against him uh, i think chip is smart enough to not necessarily just have yes men around him but i think if chip really wants something to happen it's going to happen so uh you know, the whole situation worries me, but I, I don't think this specific instance of not having hired anyone yet is as worrisome as just the whole situation as a whole. Uh, I think that not hiring someone yet makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's not necessarily the most attractive job out there. I mean, what qualified GM candidate wants to take a job where they're not the GM? I mean, you know, wants to take a GM job where they don't actually have the power to make the decision. So, uh, you know, the whole thing is worrisome. I, I don't think we're really going to know how it's all going to play out, obviously, until we, we see what Chip can do. But ultimately, in terms of when they hire someone, I, I don't think that changes anything for me. I think the situation is worrisome because it's going to be all Chip, and that that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, it's, there's. Uh, I, I think that alone concerns me more and more. Um, and just because it's just, I don't know. I, not that I don't trust, like, you know, Chip's evaluation and talent or, eh, well, I kind of do now, too, because it's just, I don't know. I, I think, um, and this is what I was saying to the Haas yesterday on uh, 92.3 ESPN, is at least it's linear, uh, you know, or at least it will, there's there's no miscommunication. Chip will get exactly what he wants. I don't know if it's going to be a, a very smooth ride. I, I expect it to be very bumpy, which kind of almost leads me to think that, you know, I know there's a lot of people that are concerned about giving up a ton of picks for to try and go get Marcus Mariota, but I mean, maybe the less maybe the less picks, the better, because at least it's just you know all out for one guy. And speaking of that, Patrick, there is uh, of course the the Foles trade rumors again, kind of coming up a little bit uh, more this week. Elliot Shore Park saying that you know there is serious talk, and well, I don't know how serious it is at at what point, but they've definitely had talks with the Rams, 
as far as Foles uh, being traded. Um, how are you feeling about uh, that situation right now? Well, I mean, this is sort of in line with everything that we've been hearing over the last week or so. Uh, I believe it was last week we heard that uh, uh, Tennessee and Houston were interested in Foles as well. And I think a lot of this just has to do with the team shopping him and, uh, you know, a team who doesn't, I guess, hang up the phone on chip when they call about Foles. Um, But no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think you're going to hear from a lot of teams where the reports that you're going to hear are going to be from teams who have an otherwise playoff caliber roster that just need a quarterback, kind of like the situation the Eagles are in. Um, And Houston makes sense in that respect. The Rams make sense in that respect. Uh, The Titans are run by Ken Wisenhunt, who just loves getting duped by the Eagles on quarterback trades. So that makes sense. Uh, But I think I I think everything that we've heard so far is in line. And look, if the team is really ready to move on from Foles, um, which, you know, obviously we're early in the reports season, but that seems to be the the case. um, Sure. Get that market going, get a few teams bidding against each other. And, uh, you know, if you can end Foles' tenure in Philly by getting a pick for him that was higher than the pick with which you drafted him, like if you can get a second round pick or even a third round pick. Um, that's a thumbs up in my book. Yeah, and I've heard, you know, I, I think that's a fair fair asking price, and I think that's, you know, a two and a maybe a conditional late rounder. I know there's there's a lot of people that say they're in the know of what the price range would be, but I think that's just more a logical guess uh, of all this. And uh, one man that probably would know a lot about this situation, plus we're going to pick his brain on the Senior Bowl, is uh, John Middlecoff, the Eagles' former scout from 2010-2013. You can hear him daily on 95.7 The Game out in San Francisco from Ten to noon Pacific time, and he's on the Duncan Philly hotline right now. John, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing out there? Uh, staying, staying warm? Well, stay, uh, trying to stay warm, trying to stay sane. As uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these rumors uh, have uh, Philadelphia and uproar, as I'm sure you're uh, well aware of uh, all that stuff going on. But first and foremost, I know the Senior Bowl just wrapped up. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of different takes on uh, you know. Uh, a cornerback and and things like that, and a lot of defensive prospects that I think people are getting excited about. Anybody that caught your eye over the weekend? Well, I mean, going in, obviously, Danny Shelton, the defensive tackle from uh, Washington, was a guy that had a big time week. You just don't find. I think you saw this a couple of years ago with Don Terry Poe, who's become you know arguably. I mean, he's the best nose tackle in the league, and he's become arguably you know a top five overall defensive lineman. You just don't find many guys that are 340 plus pounds that are good. They're good athletes and that play hard. So I mean, he's just such a unique guy. I mean, I know there was a lot of offensive tackles there, and there were some wide receivers that made plays. wasn't a great quarterback year, but that's a unique body, and they just they just don't create many humans like that, especially that are good at football. So <laughs> I know he got a lot of buzz, and Mayock talked about him a lot, and the whole crew did on NFL Network, but. He deserves that just because he's such a unique product. And and with that, you said that you know it is a bad year for uh, the quarterbacks, and the the rumors are kind of all swirling around here. Um, you know what? I guess at this point, what would what would the Eagles have to gain if they traded Nick Foles? And if landing, you know, is 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 Mar- Marcus Mariota worth it in your opinion to fit in this offense well, for them to go forward? Well, a, co- a, a couple things, I guess. Let's start with Mariota first. I know there were some. Maybe some reports. I don't know exactly who it was from. I read on the internet how Chip Kelly was preparing to give his whole draft or whatever it took to move up to get Mariota. I, you know, I think it's easy to write that and it's easy to say that, but 
Chip Kelly's season ended legitimately like three weeks ago, and he was not the GM, and he wasn't doing any of that stuff. So I, I think that's just people just throwing stuff out there because I'm, I'm not saying he wouldn't be interested in acquiring Mariota, but there's no way that – I mean, this stuff is so – I mean, they haven't even had the combine yet. I mean, you don't even know all the players that have declared for the draft, the underclassmen, which obviously, especially in the first couple rounds, make up a lot of players. So I think any rumors you see draft-wise, I mean, we are so far away. Now, a rumor that does, I think, would have some validity, and I saw it was the Rams. Like I don't know if you said the Rams, but Nick Foles. If he gets linked to teams that don't necessarily, like I would imagine the Bills, and there's maybe the Jets. There are going to be a te- some teams that need a solid quarterback, especially a guy that's young. I mean, I've seen out here for the last couple of years with the Raiders, you know, take the flyer on Matt Flynn. That didn't work out. And then Matt Schaub, an older guy that had a long track record, and that really didn't work out. But when you get a guy like Nick Foles that was a third-round pick that has led a team to the playoffs and, you know, that multiple coaches believed in. Andy Reid originally drafted him. He played then. And then Chip got there and he ended up being the starter. I think he becomes very intriguing because there's still a lot of unknown. And I think a team like the Rams, which, you know, I've seen a lot because I cover the 49ers out here in the NFC West. If the Rams had a top 15 quarterback, if you just gave them Alex Smith, I mean, I think they're a playoff team. So if I'm them, I would definitely make a play for Nick Foles. Now, if I'm, if memory serves me correct, this would be going into his last year of his contract. Mm hmm. So it is a little interesting. Now, worst case scenario, he plays very well, and you just franchise him. I mean, that's a good problem to have when it's the quarterback. So I'd be shocked. And I was there for the last, you know, when Chip got hired to the draft. And let's face it, I mean, anyone that's watched the offense knows that it would function at a much higher level if the quarterback was athletic. And I don't mean like Mark Sanchez athletic. I mean like a Russell Wilson, you know, like a – like not my, even Mike Vick. I mean, that's we're talking elite athletes. I just mean a solid athlete, even like an Aaron Rodgers, or mm-hmm. you know, obviously Kaepernick would probably be perfect. You know, Derek Carr out here for the Raiders, he'd be a guy, you know, four six forty guy. He ran just as fast as Johnny. Just a guy that, you know, you have to honor the give. And I'm shocked watching the Eagles why so many people, especially when Nick was in there. I mean, I wouldn't even worry about him. I would just take away the running back. And I, I think Chip knows that ultimately. If he can get a Mariota type guy, just anyone that's an athlete that can also throw, then I think the offense should only grow and become more potent. You know, and it's interesting too with this whole the GM search that is is continuing to go on here. I think that it makes a, a lot of other people nervous as well. As far as and, and not only that, but the power structure and the way it is now. Um, obviously, it, it's not going to be a very attractive to somebody that's maybe up and coming. As an outsider, and you've been in there, the situation, what's your overall feel with this whole situation? It seems pretty messy uh, on our end. Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously a fluid situation. I mean, I think it's only been a couple weeks now that everything went down right around, maybe a little longer than that. And, you know, I think Chip, you know, he's only been in the league for two years, so he's going to need a guy that has a pretty good feel for the league. Now, you often hear, and I saw it, this year with the whole Harbaugh thing, everyone, you know, who's the guy who had the final say for the 53. We, we love talking about that. Who has the final say for the 53? You know, how much power do you have in the draft? And I think every, what everyone's trying to get, and I think you'll see it in the Super Bowl, is Seattle. The, the marriage they have with their GM and 
their head coach. They just seem like they're in lockstep. They seem like they think the same. And Pete was hired before John Snyder was hired. So I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong way. I know people are, you know, I've seen reports that it's going to be hard for Chip to land a guy because he's not going to have full say. I mean, I, I think a lot of good, I mean, when John Snyder was hired, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't running the show. He was working for Pete Carroll. And I, I think it's a good job for a younger guy. Obviously, Chip's, you know, name and everything he's doing in terms of his program is really something that the entire league is keeping an eye on because it, it worked. I mean, he's won 20 games in two years for a guy that had never coached a day in the league. And I, I, I'd be shocked if they don't get, you know, kind of a young, up and coming guy, probably a little younger than 40. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, works in terms of, you know, how he's still being there. And I, I think they'll figure it out. I mean, their ultimate goal is, you know, try to win. And Chip gives them the best chance. It's clear that Chip can coach. And, you know, they just need to continue to add talent, probably, you know, three or four players, you know, impact players, you know, maybe in the draft and maybe, you know, two in the draft and two in free agency. And if they can figure out their quarterback situation, you got to feel pretty good about your, uh, you know, your 2015 chances. And I know you were there uh, for part of the time. And there's, I, I guess the, what's, there's no clarity as far as who was really in charge of what did it, you know, was Howie's evaluation talent a lot stronger than a lot of us think? Was it exactly the, the perception that everybody, you know, thought it was, was it lower? What was, what was your idea? What was your feel when you were there uh, with the Eagles? Yeah. You know, I can, I can only really speak on the relationship when, when I was there, I worked in the office with him and, and coach Reed. And I, I know that, you know, just in terms of as a front office and the coaching staff, you know, the communication was good. And I think especially those, their working relationship was pretty good. I mean, everything I saw was really solid. And, you know, I, I haven't been there during the seasons with Chip and, and Howie, but, you know, that that's obviously a very important relationship. I mean, you see it throughout the NFL, see when teams fall apart, when that, that relationship doesn't work. So sometimes I think it's even less about football and, you know, having worked in it and now working in the media you know, the way football has become now, it's like it's like high school drama. I mean, every day it's a new rumor or something else going on. But it's with, you know, millions of dollars on the line and big egos. And I think a lot of the downfalls aren't necessarily people don't know what they're doing or don't know what they're looking for. It's just, you know, maybe two people don't get along. And at the level in which it happened, it's clear that obviously Howie and Chip went on the same page, you know, their relationship or, or obviously probably this wouldn't have happened. And, you know, I always, you know, how he hired me, him and Coach Reed, you know, I, I think, you know, he did a good job when I was around him. He obviously has a lot of strengths. But for whatever reason, you know, Chip Kelly wanted to go into a different direction. And, you know, I'm the biggest fan of anyone of, like, powerful general managers. But if I owned a team, I mean, the reality, in the, especially in the NFL, I mean, I'm around Billy Bean here for the A's, you can manipulate the game a little more in baseball. In football – you know, if you're Jeffrey Lurie or whoever you are as an NFL owner, your head coach is so important. I saw it here with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they moved on from Jim Harbaugh, and Trent Baalke is a phenomenal general manager. He's really good at his job. But once the season starts, front offices don't have that much impact wins and losses. You know, may add a practice squad guy here or pick up a backup corner. But, I mean, they're not game planning. They're not scheming. They're not running practices. Your coach is so important. I think that's why – 
whatever happened in Philadelphia, Chip, you know, gained so much power because he, you're so dependent on him, you know, for what really matters, and that's, that's winning or losing on Sundays. The problem is in the NFL, you know, free agency and draft is, you know, how you end up winning. So I think Chip, you know, the last couple of years, some of their additions in the draft, you know, maybe they'll learn from it and, you know, add some different type players. You know, he has very strict rules on what he looks for in guys, you know, just in terms of high character guys, hardworking guys. And, uh, you know, I, I think he'll figure out a way to blend that with, with talented guys because some of the most talented guys sometimes coming out in the draft aren't necessarily, you know, not, I wouldn't say bad people, you know, off the field, but sometimes they have question marks and, you know, they turn out to be fabulous players in the NFL despite maybe one issue in college or, you know, an issue in high school or, or whatever it may be. John Middlecoff from uh, 95.7 The Game out in San Francisco. You can hear him uh, every afternoon on the West Coast from 10 to noon. Uh, thank you so much for joining us right here on BGN Radio, my friend. We appreciate the insight. No problem. Have a great day. So very, uh, you know, very interesting stuff that, that uh, John is saying. And, and thanks uh, once again to him for uh, taking some time out with here with us. One thing that I, I you can take away from that is interesting that he says that the GM is, you know, once the season starts, he can't really can't really improve your team one way or, one way or the other. I mean, it's really not going to guide you, you know, to, to more wins when the season starts. It's up to the head coach. So I guess that's. I don't know. I, I I I think that it's again, it's still the right call for Chip to be in control of everything. But who knows if that's going to end up working out? But uh, we did say this is our Super Bowl preview show, so let's have some fun with it, and we're going to get into it. Um, BLG. I mean, this whole Deflate Gate thing uh, with the Patriots and just kind of I, I don't know. Everything's just been cra- that's been the storyline the entire. Uh, a week and a half, and it's going to probably continue to be throughout the rest of uh, you know the crazy media day, and we'll get into that as well. But um, does that change? It really change who you're you know looking at or rooting for or anything like that? So I just want to see a good Super Bowl, you know. So how, how are you feeling about it? No, I agree with that. I, I want to see a good Super Bowl. Uh, once it gets to this point, I really don't care who wins a lot. You know, it's just. It's just really just hard to work up a rooting interest, but it, it kind of would feel awkward, I guess. You know, if the Patriots do win, it's like, how do you how do you kind of sell that if you're the NFL? You know, like, oh, you know, congrats <laughs> to the Patriots. You know, they, they did it again. Like, like you know, it just kind of feels weird. Uh, like it's like, oh, uh, OK. But uh, uh, no, I, I want to see the Seahawks win since we're talking about it. Uh, I think they're just a legitimately good team. Uh, not that the Patriots aren't, but it, it just, just beyond the defense. You know, obviously, I'm, I, I'm a big Russell Wilson fan here. Didn't have the best championship game by any means, but but hey, he he is what what site his record in the playoffs? I don't know what it is, but you know, he, he undefeated more wins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So, and he made throws when it counted. So I, I'm a big Russ fan. Uh, you know, I always say he's the Seahawks player that the Eagles missed out on, not Earl Thomas. Although they obviously they could use Earl Thomas, but I think that one was a little more costly looking at the team where it is now. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm rooting for the Seahawks here. And the other storyline that is obviously been – it comes up literally every time they try and talk to this guy. And, and Marshawn Lynch is – like, everybody has an opinion on what an athlete should or should not do when they're around the media or anything else and all this other stuff. And I just feel like it's, it's you know, again, Bill Belichick 
has the same type of press conferences. We're moving on to Cincinnati. We're moving on to Cincinnati. And has the same answers. Marshawn Lynch literally does the same thing because he doesn't want to be there. And I thought it was kind of brilliant that he just said, literally, the only reason why I'm here is because so I won't get fined. The only reason why I'm here is so I don't get fined. That's hysterical. And I, I see the reaction to that on, on Twitter and from other journalists and um, of course, I'm going to bring Ben Volan's name up again because, you know, he, for, for some reason, who covers the Patriots, has a problem with Marshawn Lynch but doesn't have a problem with Belichick. You know, I, I, do you really care, James, about what he says that the media, I mean, like, they try, a lot of people in the media are trying to say, like, oh, well, this is his job and this is what he's supposed to do. Meanwhile, there's, like, a topless fat guy with man boobs in a barrel who's, like, you know, trying to ask questions, and yet they care about what Marshawn Lynch is or is not saying. What? How do you feel about all that stuff? Yeah, I'm with you, Johnny. Man, I literally could not care less. I, I get a kick out of it. I know it's funny you talk to a lot of beat reporters, guys who cover teams. I mean, they get really mad about it. I mean, they get pissed, you know, and I get it. I, yeah, no, among others, for sure. Uh, and I get it. I know you, you know, you know, you need quotes, you need stories, you're up against a deadline, you know, Brandon knows, you know, the, the, the pressure to put content out, especially at a quick pace is, is higher than it's ever been in the media field, especially in sports media, because of Twitter, because of Facebook, because of all this stuff. Um, so I get it. I get why reporters are pissed. But ultimately, I mean, get over it. You know, it's funny, first of all. But second of all, who cares? This guy, if he's willing to pay the fine, if he's willing to, to you know, if he has to pay a fine because he wants to, you know, wear a certain type of cleats or grab his dick or, or whatever it is, if he's willing to do it, why the hell do you care? Let the guy do what he wants. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the whole thing. I think it's. I think it's way overblown. Is he a, is he probably a dick for doing it? Sure, he's probably a dick. But you know what? It's funny. Who cares? There, are, you know, fifty two other guys on the team you can go talk to. There's a coach you can go talk to. Uh, I'm totally okay with it. Uh, I, you know, I I I think it's hilarious. And just the fact that, I, and we're gonna get into prop bets later. But just the fact that Will Marshawn Lynch grab his crotch after scoring a TD in the game is a prop bet is amazing. How could you not like this guy? I, he's just funny, man. Yeah, on the biggest stage, I would I would bet heavy that he does that. Absolutely, I do too. It, but yet here's the thing: it's plus four hundred. No, is minus six hundred. Yeah. I'm 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 blown away. I mean, this seems like a, a great love four to one odds that he's going to grab his crotch. Oh, <laughs> Nick, that's what he does. Yeah, I mean, that's a, what a fun bet that's going to be too. It's like, oh my god, will he do it? <laughs> Wait for this guy to come in. Yeah, Patrick, and this is kind of the ongoing debate I think that happens between like you know media players and all this other stuff of. Uh, of it's you know you want uh, at one second it's just like I want my player I want these guys to come out and talk and just answer my questions and then they're honest about it and then they're like, I can't believe this this guy's a joke so you know where do you fit in on that do you want athletes to be as open as possible and whatever to you know or or do you just do you really not care you want them just to you know, I'd rather just see you on the football field. Does it matter you want to one way or the other? I get really conflicted with this because on the one hand, there's there's something really frustrating about being a beat writer. And I know a couple of you guys will be able to back me up on this when you're in the locker room and you just want to get something interesting from somebody. And a lot of these players, most of these players are so well-trained. They've been trained since like high school to answer a question without answering it. So when you can get a player who will go one way or the other on the spectrum, like give you such a non-answer that it's a story or just be really profound and interesting and wacky and out there or whatever. 
I like that. I think it makes the league more interesting. I think it makes the league more likable. And Lord knows the league could use a lot more of that. I just think that you have a lot of these kind of old school reporters who just want their quotes so they can mindlessly type them into a story and then press send and get paid. Um, Like I said, I just think this makes the league more interesting when you have a guy like Marshawn who doesn't care. Skittles is probably paying his NFL fines because, you know, it's great. I... I think a lot of this is just on reporters. I think a lot of folks just want to kind of wag their finger at, at kids these days and, and make something and it's not. You know, if you're really complaining that you can't write and find anything about the NFL or, you know, uh, your whole story is based around Marshawn Lynch, I think that's a problem. So, you know, Mike K tweets this this story out, which I think is great. And this is, I, I mean, like if, if I'm down there and I don't have anything, this is what I uh, I go to. Miko Grimes who is uh, Brent Grimes' wife, who is uh, very upset about, you know, the way that the NFL is treating her husband and a lot of other players. And, like, it goes on a, a complete rant of how, like, it's they don't care about women and, the, you know, the, the, my, my husband's out there with all this dedication and toughness and he goes in with uh, concussions. And I can tell you about, you know, <laughs> a lot of other NFL players that have beaten their wives and thrown their, thrown their, you know, girlfriend down the stairs, only got one game for it. Oh, now you care about me and my husband and all this other stuff. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. And you're like, Holy cow. So, uh, I don't know, Brandon, when, when there's stuff like, do, do, do you think people ignore a lot of the stories because it's a Super Bowl because the NFL tries to downplay that you know, as much as possible, they don't want any negative traffic. And, and this is what you get is this weird, you know, weird things to be mad about media scrum. Yeah, I think it's just a time of the year where, you know, all the eyes are in, all the eyes are on the big game. And, you know, it's there's just it's it's the center focus. So, you know, I, I just think where there's there are points where you're just reaching and there's so much different media that's covering the game. I just look at, look at media day. I'm sure, you know, if you're on Twitter, you saw pictures of how many media members there are there just from, from like every outlet, like from around the world, there's, it's just such a big spotlight, you know, that like everyone wants to be part of it. Everyone wants their part of the attention. So, you know, everyone's going to have their story and want to do their thing. I think it just, it is what it is. You know, it's just part of the business. How, how, you know, it just, it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I, it, it just kind of makes me think that this whole, the whole week is, is ridiculous, and I know why they have the, the layoff and everything, but let's just get to, get to the football games, it's, uh, especially, like, you know, when, it's, when you don't really need anything else to sell it. I mean, these are definitely two of the, the two best teams in the NFL, and that's how they were ranked. So let's just try and in, in, enjoy it as much as possible, and if you're going to bitch about the story, there's, there's plenty out there to write about that is non-Super uh, Bowl related. But we're going to switch gears right now as uh, we are uh, very happy to be joined by uh, Alabama quarterback Blake Sims, uh, him and uh, Mike Kay and Dan Kloster all sat down uh, with him earlier this week and got his thoughts on the draft process. So here is quarterback Blake Sims. Joining us on the Duncan Philly hotline right now, we have Alabama quarterback Blake Sims. How you doing, Blake? Good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I'm joined by Dan Klossner. Um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, my first question to you is, who was your uh, favorite player to watch growing up? And now that you're a quarterback who's about to go into the NFL, who do you model your game after? Um, growing up, my favorite quarterback was Michael Vick. And uh, since I have been playing in the quarterback position in college, I have been, I really look up to Russell Wilson. Well, that's, that's the player that you resemble most, I think, on tape. So I guess we kind of, 
you know, not not too surprising to hear you say that. Um, my first question to you, Blake, is uh, you bounced around a number of positions uh, during your time at Alabama, safety, receiver, running back, uh, before settling in at quarterback. Is there anything you learned from playing all those positions, like whether it's instincts or things that you can read from the defense that you now draw upon to uh, to play quarterback and perhaps help you at that position more than other players who haven't played at other positions? Uh, I just say the instincts and uh, just pretty much know what everybody on my on my team had, and I like how important every uh, position is, and how important everybody's role is for you to be very successful. Is is there one thing that you might see a safety do after the snap that you can say, "Hey, I realize what he's doing. I'm going to go here with the ball, or I'm going to look him off and go somewhere else with the ball." Uh, I think body language. You know how they I see. I try to focus on their body language, and after the when the, when the ball is snapped, I see what he does, and I, I ask if I say I probably see it very clearly, but I ask my teammates and see if they saw the same thing and if it's that, and uh, I tell my my wideouts or my running back, hey, if he does this again, this is what I want you to do. Is it normally something with his actual body movements, or can you see it with his eyes that he might bite on a certain pump fake or he's shading over towards a wide receiver? Oh, uh, it's really just body. It's all body language. Now, how did um play? I know you and Lane Kiffin have a long relationship going back to his time recruiting you when he was at Tennessee. Uh, what's the most important thing you learned from him about the quarterback position and about playing in a pro offense this year? Uh, that bad plays is gonna happen. The big thing is how you gonna overcome them, and uh, just always keeping my composure at all times, and, just, and never be satisfied until the game is over. The whole because the game could change at any time. I personally felt watching your tape that your most impressive uh, telling drive of the season was the end of the regulation against LSU drive where you drove the team down the field to tie. You made a number of bucket throws, you know, overcame a few drops, and even at the end you were able to get the team up to the line, spike the ball, and then make another 20-yard out throw to get you guys into field goal range. Um, is that the drive that you're most proud of? And if not, what was did you feel was kind of like your coming-of-age moment at Alabama as the quarterback this year? Uh, I, think, I think that drive was really just – Showed everybody that I'm capable of being clutch when the time is to come, and that uh, I'm very, I'm a big competitor, and I love to win. I think my best, my best game, I had to go with uh, Auburn, because I think for us to, me and my teammates to overcome from being down for from two two touchdowns and coming back to win that game, I feel like that was our best, my best drive. Uh, now, in that Auburn game, you had a really tough first half, and then you came back in the second half, and really, I mean, it was like a 180. You, you were throwing much better balls. You led the team back. Was there anything that um, Lane Kiffin or Coach uh, Saban told you at halftime or anything that you told your teammates going into the second half that kind of turned the momentum around? Uh, they, they both just really told me that, hey, just go out, go out there. We trust you. Just go out there and make the plays that you're capable of making. We know that you're going to bring this team a victory. And uh, we have nothing but 100 percent uh, trusting you and uh, my teammates, also Shepard came up to me and said, "Hey Blake, you're a game changer. Don't be, don't be down on yourselves. You know that you are covers with this game." Now, moving on, I know that you know the Ohio State game and the Sugar Bowl is not something that you remember too fondly, but uh, you've said that the loss to the Buckeyes is what will fuel you to succeed in the NFL. Uh, what lessons in particular did you learn from that game that you think can help you moving forward? Uh, hard work. You know, hard work. Uh, I said I didn't put a, hot, a lot of hard work into it. I did. I watched a lot of film against Ohio State, but maybe for me to lose, I always feel like it's, it's probably something I can do much more to win the game. 
help my team win the game. And uh, for me going to the NFL, by me losing that game, me going to the NFL, lets me know that maybe it's something I could have did extra that week or I could have did more film work or sitting down with Coach Kiffin as much as I could that yeah, could have helped it. And so that's why I'm going to take to the NFL with me. You had a lot of meetings with coaches and scouts. Uh, what was the most frequent question that they asked you? And did they give you a certain part of your game that they think that you have to uh, work on and improve upon to succeed in the NFL? Oh, they really didn't give me nothing. Like, I didn't say much. They just really wanted to know, like, what what made me stick around in Belmont and stay five years and play my last year here? And what uh, motivated me to be as good as I was? And um, they they just said that they, I need to work on throwing to my left. So that's that's the main thing I'm working on right now. So when they asked you, what did you what did you tell them when they said you know about staying at Alabama for five years, blaking up AJ McCarron, I mean backing up AJ McCarron for those for those final few years, and then getting your final your last chance, kind of just you know you had one year to make it work, and otherwise you weren't going to get another one. So what did, what did you tell them when uh, they asked you those questions? Uh, I got family. My family's here. I uh, built a lot of strong relationships with the people here, and uh, my brothers, my teammates that. I grew strong with their families and their daughters. and You know, I knew my time was coming. When I got my opportunity, I was going to take full advantage of it. And what do you, you personally, the, these uh, scouts and coaches said you have to work on throwing to your left, but you personally, Blake Sims, what do you think is the number one part of your game that you have to work on? Uh, I'll play my footwork. Hmm. Footwork and uh, balance outside of the pocket. And uh, I, can, I, I can also get better reading defense. Blake, you brought up uh, that you you grew up watching uh, Michael Vick. Um, were you able to watch a lot of Vick play at uh, in Philadelphia and play in Chip Kelly's offense? How did that make you feel about potentially playing for the Eagles as well? Uh, when I saw Michael Vick uh, go to the Eagles, I smiled because I know how the Eagles' offense run, and I think it's great. And I love to play there. You know, I love to play there. And and he wore the number seven just like he did. I think mean, that would be great in a big dream of mine. And I think mean, it will fit me like perfect because talking to the scouts, you know, we uh took some of their plays and did a lot of great things with it. What do you say to scouts and fans or or coaches that worry about your height? What 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 do you tell them about your game that makes you a more appealing prospect despite being a little bit shorter than the prototypical quarterback? Uh, the job that I have, the team player and that I am, and how, how big of a leader that I am. And um, but, but my height in the pocket really doesn't mean nothing. I think the success that I had at uh, University of Alabama, I mean, I had uh, a lot of my linemen as uh, first-round picks, you know, and uh, – I think by having a first-round pick lineman, I think if I can make those around them, I can do the NFL. Well, Blake, we appreciate you joining us on BGN Radio. Uh, we wish you all the best uh, heading into the Combine, and um, we look forward to speaking with you in the future, man. Thank you so much, and I look forward to speaking to you all, too. And once again, uh, a humongous thank you to uh, Blake Sims for taking uh, some time with Mike and Dan. I know there's still a lot of Eagles fans that tend to cringe 
when they hear that that as an option or somebody to develop here. But I, I really do think if he's going to land anywhere, the Eagles are are probably his one of his top spots uh, to land and develop and to be successful in the NFL. And I, I know those guys are rooting for him. I'm also rooting for him. Really nice guy, and uh, we appreciate his time here. But let's switch it one more time, and let's get to the Super Bowl edition of the NFL Picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell and place some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL Picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. So uh, not only are we going to obviously give our uh, big Super Bowl predictions, but uh, it's my favorite betting time of the year, gentlemen, because uh, there are so many ridiculous prop bets and, and, uh, you know, just everything under the sun. Uh, Literally, you could fill uh, probably 140 pages of prop bets, and we're going to go through some of our favorites as I turn to Mr. James Zeltzer. Uh, Why don't you start us off, sir? That's right, Johnny. I'm going to throw a couple quick ones at you. First and foremost, I want our – this is exclusive – for our listening audience, I have it on good authority, very good authority, <laughs> that the coin toss will come up tails this year. So, just so you guys know, that is some inside information when you're gambling on your prop bets. Keep that in mind. All right, Johnny. A couple, I'm just going to give you two. We'll circle back around. But here are two that I really, really like. Number one, will Al Michaels refer to the point spread, the total, odds on who wins the game, or any prop bet? And the shocking part about this is that, yes, is the underdog here. It's plus 200 odds, 2 to 1 odds. Wow. I think that Al Michaels will because he always does because he will always find a way to. It's just what he does. I think there will be a subtle reference. So I, I would take the yes on that. And then one other uh, that I like the odds here is will Pete Carroll be mentioned as the last head coach of the Patriots? In my mind, that's a no-brainer yes, right? Well, that's also the underdog as well. Plus one ten. Take wow. the odds there, Johnny. Wow, yeah, I kind of like that. Uh, I kind of like that too. I think I would. I would actually go with no and Al Michaels, only because I, I think I think it's Chris Collinsworth that might sneak it in there somehow, and they switch it up. Thing, it's what Al does. It's, a, <laughs> it's like he has to now. It's like he can't keep his reputation if he doesn't. Uh, BLG, give us uh, your favorite prop bet that you found so far. All right, so this is mine, and it's it's an. Well, I have two. I have to go to. Yeah, of course. Uh, number one, what will be higher? Russell Wilson passing yards uh-huh. or the U.S. national average gas price in <laughs> cents on Monday? <laughs> That's and the bet I've ever. The gas price is the underdog at 15 and a half. Okay, so just to clarify, because I, I literally just went over it twice because I am dumb. Uh, so. Russell Wilson is is the favorite to go over the gas prices in cents. So a dollar equals a hundred cents. So you know if it's you know it, 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 you don't even really need to do math. You just remove the decimal point at that point. So if you think he's probably going to go over a what is it in so well in New Jersey right now it's like at a hundred you know a dollar seventy five. So I, I think that's a that's a and, and if the average price is is two, I actually man I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice and I'm gonna go with the U.S. Uh, you know, gas average. If I'm getting uh, fifteen, the gas. I'm, if I'm getting fifteen <laughs> yards, because <laughs> I'm taking Russell Wilson. Listen, you have to give respect to the Patriots. You know, secondary there, uh, their defense isn't isn't chopped liver, and I think the way to beat those guys is to hand it off to Marshawn Lynch. So I think I think Russell Wilson's under two hundred yards this game. Respect oh. the gas. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then for for number two, uh, is this is this is timed perfectly. I mean, I guess we don't get this one every year, but maybe we do. I'm just not remembering. Groundhog Day. Uh, that's what I was is, looking at. <laughs> yes, is Puxatawney Phil going to see his shadow? And you can either pick like, you know, and the Patriots win the Super Bowl, or does he not see a shadow and the Patriots win? Or, you know, the same thing with the Seahawks win or lose. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, and it's funny because none of them are favorites. Like, <laughs> a plus 250, plus 220, plus 275, plus 240. I'm staying away from that. Everybody loses is the point. Yeah, absolutely. Patrick Wall, uh, a couple of your favorite prop bets. So uh, my first one is uh, what color Gatorade will be dumped on the head coach of the Super Bowl winning team? Only because I think there's uh, there's some serious money-making potential in this one. Uh, <laughs> Explain right, yourself, sir. Right now, Orange is the leader in the clubhouse at 3-2. Uh, to two. However, no chance. no chance it's Orange. However, Blue, the main color for both teams, comes oh. in fourth at 15-2. to two, Comes in well after clear slash water, which is not going to happen. No. I'm telling you, I think I would take that chance and uh, bet on blue. Man, that's not a bet. Hold on, hold on. Is there an option for will Bill Belichick cut or physically injure whoever puts <laughs> the Gatorade on him after? Can we bet on that yeah. as well? Yes. There, actually, there is one. Is that he will physically make a shiv out of the toothbrush in his pocket uh, that he keeps at his game time. Yeah, it's, it's right. Or well, that goes into my second bet, which was uh, what color will the shiv be? Yeah, well, <laughs> Better question though: Can the shiv also double as an air pressure type of thing? We can oh, I was hey. waiting for it. I knew somebody was going to jump on that. <laughs> exactly right. Well, let's get down to the uh, most important uh, bets of the evening. BLG, who is your Super Bowl MVP, and who is going to win the Super Bowl? Russell Wilson wins MVP. Uh, Seahawks win. Um, I want to say twenty-eight. To 28-24 Seahawks. Russell Wilson going off at seven to two to be the uh, MVP. James Zeltzer, what is MVP and prediction? All right, I'll go prediction first. Uh, generally, I think that this is kind of Bill Belichick's thing. When the whole world is against you, that's when Belichick shines and he gets his guys to to really fight. Having said that. There is zero chance I'm picking the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm not going to do it. Screw the Patriots. Uh, I'm going to say Seahawks 24 to 21. I, I think it's a close game. Uh, I think my MVP is Marshawn Lynch just on the hope that he gets up on that dais where he can't cause any more yardage penalties, can't hurt his team, and he just grabs his dick, and his speech <laughs> is hold my dick, and that's it and done. How, how amazing would that be, guys? And then he just retires. Like, that would be phenomenal. Of, if that hold my dick. <laughs> so, yeah. Drop the mic. See you later. Patrick, well, your MVP and uh, score prediction. You know, I really want to pick the Patriots in this game just because the Super Bowl loss was 10 years ago, and I think we need to move on as a fan base. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I used to really like watching the Seahawks. I thought their bravado and their and all that stuff was fun. And then the Eagles played them this year, and I saw up close just how annoying they are and how impossible they are to root for. So I... I want to pick the Patriots, but I think the Seahawks are a better team. And uh, while I'm being obnoxious and contrarian, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Super Bowl MVP will be Earl Thomas. 
Oh, that's my pick. <laughs> forty to one. I mean, just just to just to drive everybody nuts. Earl Thomas, forty to one, and he's the MVP. And I am quite sure that uh, Matt Daring would basically pee his pants with joy if Earl Thomas ends up becoming the Super Bowl MVP, and he can keep. Tweeting that out, which is weird because I, I like almost I almost hate Earl Tom. I hate I just hate talking about him almost at this point because because of both sides because of the ridiculousness of of uh, the way Matt tweets his name every five seconds <laughs> next Dawkins and also hate just bringing up the whole Brandon Graham thing and all that other stuff which again still tend to agree with but you know let's let's move on from the whole shebang. Uh, after he wins the MVP for the Super Bowl, I'm going to say um, as much as and and Patrick's right, it's it's hard to root for the Seahawks. But I got to tell you what, I, I really I really like the Seahawks as a team, and I, maybe not their fans, but the 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 team itself. I think would be if you transferred that to Philadelphia, we would fall in love with it, and it would be. It would be an us against the world mentality. That's how they go in there and do it. I I think it's pretty easy to root for the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's re- and I think it's really easy to root against the Patriots. And that's uh, but I still have a tremendous amount of respect for Tom Brady and Belichick. And I don't care if they. I again I could care less about any type of cheating scandal or whatever else. You know. 45 to 7 doesn't change my mind. I understand the principle of it. And yeah, they shouldn't do whatever. You're not, it's not changing so much that it's 45 to, to 7. So, uh, that being said, I think the Seahawks, again, uh, the way they're built is, is perfect. It's a, it's a good matchup and I'm excited to see it. I think they kind of take care of this handily. The score might not reflect it, but I think they just kind of outplay them. And, uh, I think it comes down to, yeah, maybe the uh, maybe the third, the last third or fourth quarter. I, I say the Seahawks take it twenty eight seventeen, uh, twenty eight seventeen, and we get uh, we get a pretty a pretty decent Super Bowl out of it. So uh, more stuff coming up through the dead zone. I know right after the Super Bowl, uh, football tends to be real quiet as we wait uh, for uh, March and to get into free agency and all that stuff. But hey, Eagles are still looking for a GM, so we'll have any breaking news on that. Plus. Mike K is working those phones like crazy, uh, and he is uh, continually landing draft prospects that you can get to know and I can get to know, and it's uh, really exciting that we can sit down and uh, talk to a bunch of these guys, and hopefully some of them uh, become Eagles, and then we can celebrate and uh, do all that crazy stuff together. But for the time being, we thank you so much for listening to episode number 81 of BGN Radio, and for myself, John Barchard, for Brandon Lee Gowton, James Zeltzer, and Patrick Wall, we thank you so much for listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. Oh, my dick! You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.